0: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Facci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the That's ball! It. That's it.
1: That's it, Saboni. Take got right at him.
2: Karis Levert,
1: people don't realize how good he really is.
2: Clubert! Right. Skies oh. high
1: for the jam!
0: go in for three. Let's go, baby! Oh. Warren lets it fly, yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Well, you got it setting the pace, and I think that's terrific.
1: Hello Pacer Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and today we're doing a special podcast for you. It is another mailbag podcast, just get ready for the offseason. Joining me today, as he does every single week, it is the one and only Michael Jerome Focci. Focci, biggest Wizards fan that I know, how you doing?
2: No, no, no. I am not on the Wizards train. I am Pacers for Life and Alex. We will be delivering today because it's mail day.
1: It is mail day. So open up your inbox and listen. Um, our first question, I'm going to start with the Instagram questions today because I always tend to read those last and then we run out of time. So I'm going to start off with them today. Um, we've got two of them here, Fachi, and one of them comes from Reagan Bochen. He said, yeah. Would like to hear your opinions on a trade to get either Jeremy Grant from Detroit or Christian Wood from Houston. Do you think we could realistically get one of them? Who do you prefer? Any other similar guys to these two that would be reasonable? All right, answer that question, Fudge.
2: I mean, I love both guys. There was a trade that ended up scrapping when we did our, some of our trade ideas. There's for Jeremy Grant. It's just an interesting thing because Detroit's in a spot right now where Jeremy Grant's a really good player coming off of a career year but they're not going to be winning anytime soon. But he really is like the most established veteran player on that team by far. And he chose them. He had the same offer on the table from uh, Denver, but ends up signing with the Pistons and really show the world that he is a better player than uh, what the stats showed in the past. Now to get Jeremy Grant, it, it, it comes down to would the Pistons be willing to part with him? And every team does have uh you know, they have a price that, that they're willing to, to meet you at. Now, in my opinion, and I'd like to hear yours, if Detroit is going to deal Jeremy Grant, you got to imagine that a pick's going to be involved and a good player they could use. I started going through the roster and say the Pacers were to make a move for Jeremy Grant. I mean, do you think Detroit's probably looking at, say,
1: Miles and the 13th overall pick? I think it has to be both. If I you think get so Jeremy Grant you might have to even give up a future pick because of how I think I think there's a lot of teams that probably covet Jeremy Grant. I think so. He's on team USA, so you're gonna have to overpay to get him from Detroit because I don't necessarily think he fits that timeline, but he doesn't. he's a good player and he likes having a bigger role. And there was debate that he could be an all-star this year. I think because Detroit was so bad record-wise that he did not get in because of that. But he still put up some really good stats. I don't think he's a go-to guy. I think he fits perfectly with what this team needs at the four. He can shoot, he can defend, and he's a good team player. I mean, look what he did for Denver. I thought he was really good there. I thought he was actually pretty good in OKC before he went to Denver, too. Like, he's had a solid career, you know, especially being a second-round pick by the 76ers, I believe. So this is a guy that really could make a difference here. But I just don't really – know what Detroit is winning in return. Um, you know, they, they could go the Miles route. It could be a three-team deal. Like, I thought about this um, just off the top of my head. Like, if we sent Miles to Golden State and they were like, we're done with Wiseman for some reason, you send Wiseman, a young guy to Detroit, you know, because Detroit's all about getting those young players, then that could be more enticing because he fits their rebuild timeline a little bit better. But I'm not saying that Golden State would do that. I'm just throwing hypotheticals out there. That, to me, would be the more likely route if the Pacers were able to get Jeremy Green.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the Pistons, no doubt, I think 10 out of 10 people would say they would probably prefer James Wiseman due to being younger on a rookie contract, fitting their timeline. I mean, I I think that a core of, you know, hopefully Killian Hayes works out or hopefully he doesn't, you know, given that they're in the central. But Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, you know, James Wiseman, uh, they had Isaiah Stewart, I mean – they're starting to uh, to develop some young players over there, so uh, it would be tough to get Jeremy Grant, but I would be very interested now for the next trade. Christian Wood, Christian Wood, Alex, you know firsthand how much I love yeah, this man. You
1: liked him a lot last year.
2: He was the number one target of mine for a sign in trade last year, and, and I remember it was like you were like, "What?" I'm like, Alex, I'm telling you, this guy's gonna explode. <laughs> but hey, we missed out. And you know what? Houston, they got themselves a good one. But they are looking to rebuild. And he was, you know, after they traded James Harden, I think he was the brightest spot they had over there. Missed a lot of time. When he was out, that's when Houston lost like 18 games in a row. So um, now what would they want for Christian Wood? I started thinking of a package, and it was pretty much the same type of deal: a Miles Turner and the 13th pick, because they are looking to move up in the draft. So the 13th overall pick would give them more ammunition to move from two to one. Now, would they want Miles Turner at that point? Because it's essentially he's making a little bit more than Christian would, and you know it's like a. Uh, so what do you really give them the 13th overall pick had to be involved. And I figured, Hey, if they're going to lose the center, at least they'll get a center in miles Turner. What do you think it would take to get Christian wood off of the
1: rockets? I don't, I don't think the Pacers really have anything to get Houston to trade Christian. I, I don't mean. know what they really do. It's, yeah. it's, it's nothing enticing. He had 21, he had averaged 21 points a game last year on 37% shooting on uh, from three with five attempts per game. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's getting 9.6 rebounds a game. He had 1.2 blocks. So there's a lot to like about Christian Wood. And I think he's 25 years old, but he hasn't logged a lot of playing time in the NBA. If you look at it, he's only played a total of 154 games over about six to seven seasons here in the NBA. So honestly, I, I think to me personally, I, I, if I'm Houston and I'm not going to go with Evan Mobley, who I still think should be the number two overall pick, I think he's the second best player in this draft. A lot of smoke around Jalen Green going there. I think Jalen Green, Christian Wood, um, Kevin Porter Jr., one of another guys you like. I mean, this might be your second favorite team, Fauci. Uh, I love me some KPJ. Love it. Yep. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to like about um, what Houston's young core could be, and especially at 23 and 24 in the draft. Like, they could find some young guys, and I get there looking to try to get Cade Cunningham. So, if I'm them, I would just offer pick – I would offer Christian Wood in number, in number two – for number one and a future pick maybe or something like that if they really want him. But yeah, I just, I just don't think there's a good package here that the Pacers can offer because all the Pacers best assets are in their mid twenties, similar to Christian Wood and they're in win now mode. Those players are, and this team is in a rebuild. That's kind of why they didn't want Karis LaVert. I know we talked about that last week and we got a lot of disrespect from Rockets fans on Karis LaVert, but Karis Levert helps them win Karis Levert's a really good player and that's what they don't want to do is they don't want to win. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you might take a step back in production if you traded for miles, and that might help them get more losses. But, yeah, uh, long story short here, I don't think there's a deal to be had.
2: That's the thing. My, my last trade is, like, bye-bye Houston Rocket Twitter fans That from what we saw. It's like, would they really prefer a deal of Jeremy Lamb's expiring deal and maybe two first-round picks? That way, it's like you're not really getting a a great player back. No offense to Jeremy, but you're getting multiple picks. But just to your point, if I'm Houston, I would much rather deal Wood and the second overall pick. And if you have to throw in a future pick to move up to one.
1: So no offense to Jeremy, but he was in every trade that we had on
2: every (laughs) trade. I mean, it's like (laughs) on our spot Tuesday, the perfect expiring salary to include in every deal.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to our next question. I know that was a lengthy one. So our last one here on Instagram comes from 80 J A F R E underscore. I'm gonna have to figure out how to pronounce your name because you always send us a question and I appreciate it. Um, He said, why not a Christian Wood trade? He has two years left in his contract and Houston won't be good till then. He's the perfect power forward to replace miles in the starting lineup and we could use the miles trade for something else. Up in the draft, for example, so he's he's all on board, I guess, with the Christian Wood trade. So I I think that that kind of answers that question. What we already said. So any other thoughts on that fight before I move on? No, it, it
2: just it just feels like, hey, look, great player. Just we don't have the right package for them because if they really aren't trying to win now, you know, I don't know how many picks we're gonna try and unload to get Christian Wood. It doesn't make sense for us,
1: unfortunately. All right. So our next question comes from faithful listener, Tony Fry. Tony, thanks so much for tuning in and, and sending us a question. He said this morning's rumors uh, were the Warriors and Pacers are serious talks about the seventh pick Franz Wagner and four- Franz Wagner and 14th pick for Warren and 13 one deal. I saw. So, I mean, there's, there's some interesting stuff there, but Focci, let's just talk about these rumors um, between the Pacers and the Warriors. I think Evan Massey, had put something out there about that. I know a lot of fans were excited because this just seems like a match made in heaven for the Pacers to move up. So what what are your thoughts on a potential trade between the Pacers and the Warriors?
2: Well, Alex, you know, firsthand, I presented one the other day on this show. I, I think it makes too much sense for these teams to not make a deal. It just feels like they, they have to be having conversations because the Warriors are in a win-now mode, and, and that is so evident. Steph Curry is he's not getting younger. Klay Thompson's been out for the last two years. They have paid the tax, you know, big time, and, and it's at the point of why do you now want to bring in more young guys at 7 and 14? It, it, it doesn't make sense. you got to make a deal here, and it just feels like this is a team that we have the pieces for. You know, whether they're interested in a, in a Miles Turner right there, which it sounds like there's been rumblings. If the Pacers and, – and there's going to be two different sides of this. There's going to be fans that are like, we can't trade miles. And then there's going to be the fans that, that look in the mirror and go, this is the seventh overall pick right here. This could be a really good player. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and who knows what, what else would be involved in that deal. Maybe we're taking back Wiggins. Maybe we're not. And the rumors today that was, that was put out there, there was no mention of Andrew Wiggins. So it's interesting because the Pacers would have to be taking back some sort of salary. Now, I, I believe there was a, there was a spelling error in, in the message that was over there. I don't know if it mentioned Ubre. I know someone, you know, mentioned yeah. they talk about Kelly Ubre. Now, Alex, do you think the Pacers would have any interest in a sign and trade for Kelly Ubre and the seventh overall pick if you're including Miles Turner?
1: Yeah, so I don't really think you can do sign and trades still after the draft, which is why I think they should put the draft after free agency. Um, it'd be really I would like that. You know, set up better, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily understand. Like, I don't, I don't think if I'm the Pacers that I would be willing to give up TJ Warren and thirteen for Ubre no. and fourteen. Nope. I think that's a major, major bad move. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, Fachi, here's what I will say: If I'm looking at the starting lineup, okay, for the Pacers, I, I think Miles Turner is the weakest link. Okay, yeah, just because I feel like it, it's hard to utilize him on the offensive end with Domas out there. I think that defensively he's really important, but when you're looking at both centers, I think the Pacers would say, hey, we've got a two-time All-Star in Domas, and Miles You know, hasn't reached that level yet of All-Star. So honestly, that and the fact that Golden State really, would, I don't think it'd be a good fit to pair Sabonis and Draymond together, two guys that aren't no, good shooters. I, I think Miles would elevate that defense. So here's the trade that I think would get the deal done. I think you would have to unfortunately send out both the Holiday brothers and and Miles Turner, or you could just send Justin Miles and Jeremy Lamb for Andrew Wiggins and pick seven. Uh, it would save you a little bit of cap space there, two million dollars. I just feel like you have to give them somebody to replace that wing, um, that wing position. Getting rid of Andrew Wiggins, you can put Justin Holiday in that starting lineup, or if they can get a free agent on cheaper and then bring Justin up the bench. Like he's probably the Pacers' most consistent and best bench player, I would say, Justin Holiday that is. So, to me, I mean, you're giving up your best bench player but you're moving up to 7. However, the only way I move up to 7 is if I know I'm getting Moses Moody. And I think I'm just I'm I'm really high on Moses Moody. Everybody knows that. So, Moody and Wiggins for J- Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb and Miles Turner makes a ton of sense. And if you can keep pick 13 That's where I think the Pacers would be smart, not to trade that pick, but to draft someone like Zaire Williams, who is a boom or bust player with high, high, high potential, in my opinion. Someone that could be the future of their franchise in two to three years if he develops and becomes that player that some think he can be. I understand why teams are high and low on him, but I think if you get that solid guy in Moody and then take a swing at a guy at 13. You could even be Jalen Johnson if he falls at 13. I think those are two guys that have a ton of upside, but they also are high risk, high reward guys. So that is where I would look at in this trade, Foch, for me personally. But yeah, I mean, the Pacers really, I mean, they're just, they're benched. We've, we've talked about it. They have to consolidate this bench a little bit. And I think if you can trade three players for two, it makes sense.
2: Absolutely. And there's so much to digest here. one, Justin Holiday was a bench player on the 2015 Golden State Warriors championship team. Two, he'd be a really good player to throw at them defensively. I mean, you're going to have him and Draymond Green, you know, hounding people defensively. But you're also going to get, look, Jeremy Lamb no longer really fits this Pacers team, but as a guy off the bench for Golden State, he would be a good contributor who's a veteran that can, you know, play right away. Then you're also talking about you know, giving the Miles Turner, I, I think for Golden State, this retools them almost overnight while it feels like for the Pacers, you've achieved that fine line that I talked about of being competitive now and for the future. And so few teams are able to really do that. And it, it just feels like that would be the best spot to be in. And being able to roll the dice on a guy with, with higher upside, like Zaire Williams or Jalen Johnson, like you mentioned, is perfect because you're not – putting the pressure on them to contribute right away because we're already having the seventh overall pick Mm -hmm. who can contribute. You know, you would think right away. So I'm really excited in that, in that type of situation. Like I said, Wiggins has, has grown on me. He really has, if we have to take him back, but regardless, I think that this is the rare, really good good trade for both teams.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting because Kevin O'Connor did mention that the Pacers have been, and a lot of trade talks to either move up in the draft or move completely out of it. So I think that what they're trying to do is they, they feel like there's a guy that they could move up for. I personally think it's Moses Mooney. It could be James Booknight. It could be somebody else. I don't know who that guy is that they're targeting that could be in the top of the draft if they were to move forward, but I do think that they're looking to try and get somebody that can play right away. And There's been a lot of rumblings out there about Moody, you know, possibly going to the Golden State Warriors at seven. I've seen he probably won't go past 11 with Charlotte. I think he had an individual workout with them today. So if the Pacers really feel like Moody's the guy, they're going to have to trade up to get him. And, you know, Miles Turner was the 11th overall pick a couple of years ago in 2015. He's got a lot of potential. I mean, Miles is still really young. So while there's still things about his game that I think he can work on and get better at, Golden State, like you said, makes a ton of sense for him. But we've got some more questions to answer, so let's move on, Fachi. The next one here comes from our friend at Hugh Pacers. Aaron says, if the Pacers decide to trade back, who do you think would be the main target?
2: Okay, so it's actually two of the guys that you just mentioned. Jalen Johnson and Zaire Williams have a massive amount of potential. Those are guys that I feel like if you trade back and you're, say, right around that, like, 17 to 23 range, somewhere in there, those are great picks. I think if you took those guys at 13, you're reaching. It's like maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. But if you slide back anywhere in that 17 to 23 range, right around there, you're getting really high upside picks. So love them. Selfishly, obviously I love my boy, you know, Sharif Cooper for coming on the show. He's really growing on me big time. But I don't, I don't see them really doing that pick. Guy like Keon Johnson, I've seen sliding lately. I really have. Yeah. Keon Johnson had has a lot of upside. Uh, one of the better athletes in this draft, he's been sliding. Trey Mann, Trey Mann is a guy that I'm convinced is going to be a really good shooter in this league. I, yeah. I really do. So those are the guys I have my eyes on with Zaire Williams and Jalen Johnson being the guys with the highest potential that did not get to show it last year on the college stage.
1: Yeah, and another guy that was on our podcast, Jaden Springer, I think he's a guy that you could maybe look at getting in that range from like 17 to 24 um, if mm-hmm. they were to trade back. Uzman Garuba, actually, from Spain, I-, I think that he's a defensive guy that could play right away. They need He's rising up. Yeah, I mean, if he falls, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, of course, Chris Duarte is just a guy that they just brought in from Oregon, 24 years old, older. Um, there's There's rumors that I think Washington – is pretty locked in on him at 15 if he's there. I could see it. Because they want to win now. So I I could see that too. But if he happens to fall past them, I I don't really think any other team in that 16 to 19 range, maybe besides Memphis, would be willing to take him. I don't think he makes much sense in OKC or... No, um, no,
2: no. Mm -mm. Yeah,
1: or those teams like that. So that's where I'm just like, okay, he could be a guy. But other than that, like Jared Butler, that's a guy that just got cleared to play in the NBA. So awesome for him. I think he's a guy that could also be someone that, that they like as well. So, I mean, there's guys in this group, I think really from like pick eight to like 25, there's a good solid group of guys that I'd be okay with the Pacers going after. I did put my big board out there on Twitter. So if you're interested in seeing some guys and I know there's a guy, Fauci, you probably wouldn't mind coming here. Miles McBride from West Virginia. Oh
2: my God. I love him. He is, he's, he's going to be West Virginia's first First round pick since 2008. This guy, he's got a 6'8 wingspan for a guard. I mean, just he's 6'3 with a 6'8 wingspan. Shoot the three ball. I mean, he's been rising up draft board. So I would love McBride selfishly, but, you know, there's there's a lot of good guys here. But here's the thing, Alex. I was even talking with someone on Twitter today. I feel like, and I, I think you feel the same way, when you make it out of that top, it's not even like really 10 picks. After that, there's a lot of guys that feel very similar in talent range where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I could see this going either way. Like th- there's a couple really good guys. And then there's a lot of pretty good guys. So the Pacers, if they trade back a couple spots, I'm not mad at that move at all. If the trade makes sense, but I don't want them trading out of the first round completely.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what the rumors were, right? That they could trade out of them completely. So I'm like, oh, I don't really I love don't that, like that because they don't ever really get that opportunity, but oh. You Know there there's some things to look at here, and I, I'm not I'm not sure like if they're trading out of it, they're clearly getting a player that somebody is willing to give up to, to move up to the 13th pick. So you're hoping they can come in and help right away. So that's the only thing. Like if they're giving up 13, okay. So for example, like you mentioned, if they give up 13 and Turner for Jeremy Graham, I would be okay with that. You know yeah. what I mean? That that's the kind of move if it's just like getting off a lamb and 13 to get off of his contract. Like that's disgusting. I don't do that. That's a waste of time. So anyway, let's move on to our next question. This comes from big Glenn Pacers at Glenn Richard, uh, Glenn Richardson, our guy. He said, will the Pacers be a playoff team next season?
2: Oh yes, they will be a playoff team. I mean, and look, if the team's not healthy, then obviously that changes things. If the Pacers are you know, last year, it was brutal. T.J. Warren barely even played. You had the Depot saga. You know, you trade for Karis LeVert. He misses two months. I mean, it, it was quite the season. I think the simple thing of just having a capable coaching staff alone is a big difference there. Nate Bjorken clearly lost that locker room early. So you bring back this team, I feel like at minimum, this is an A-C team, at minimum.
1: If they don't make the playoffs, they're in trouble. Oh, yes. Um,
2: they're blowing think, it up at that
1: point. There are some good teams out in the Eastern Conference. I think the East is going to get better. I think you can probably look at at least us and Charlotte. We didn't make the playoffs. I know we played made it the play-in game. We didn't make the playoffs. I think Toronto didn't make the playoffs. So there's about 11 teams that I think are real uh, realistic candidates to make the playoffs. Uh, maybe there's another team that I'm not thinking of right now that mixed, missed it that could have been a playoff team. but. Chicago, yeah, Chicago's a team. Yeah, they'll be better. So you're talking about 12 teams that I think could really be in the mix to make the playoffs with, of course, the teams like New York, um, obviously Detroit, and I'm missing the other third team that I don't think – who is the third team? Is it Cleveland? Yeah. Who who are the the three worst teams? Did I just say New York? I didn't mean New York. You did say New York. I meant Cleveland. I meant Cleveland. Cleveland, I meant Detroit.
2: And then – I mean, Toronto's picking fourth. Those are those yeah. are the three worst teams in the East.
1: Okay, so yeah, so by I mean, pick, by draft spot, right, right, right. So I'm just trying to think, like, okay, there's there's a way that these teams are going to end up, you know, it's, it's going to be more competitive. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm it it's hard to think of things off the top of your head, so I apologize for not remember what I said. But regardless of all of that, I think they should make the playoffs because they're going to have competent defense with Rick Carlisle. They've got a solid coaching staff. They've got a good roster. Right now, as we speak, it's not been healthy. You get T.J. Warren back, I think you're a playoff team this year, probably a six seed. So you go up against the Bucks. you're probably losing the first round, but, hey, that's what it would have been, and it would have been better, in a sense, than what we saw from Bjorkman getting us under 500. So, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, but I still think there's going to be roster moves to be made, and we'll have to see how these other teams make moves for their rosters.
2: Without a doubt. I mean, if Warren plays – 50 games, I think this Pacers team is way better. He played four last year. So, you know, it's a huge difference, but just the coaching staff alone, if you don't even make any moves at all, I I just think that we're a better team than what we were last year. So it's eight seed, it ain't too much to ask for.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So let's move on to our next question. This comes from Tun one In his latest big board update, Kevin O'Connor has Usman Garuba and Trey Murphy ahead of Moses Moody. How do you feel about those two prospects?
2: Well, Uzman, like I mentioned, his stock's been rising with, you know, at, at, with the Team USA versus, uh, you know, Spain. I know he played on Real Madrid. Um, you know, so you could see that this is a guy that is talented. I mentioned the other day on the episode, the Spurs, they need a center. They, they need a big man. Um, and he's arguably one of the best defenders in this class. I feel like where they're at rebuilding-wise, he does make a lot of sense for the Spurs. And, you know, they're, they're being picked you know, the Spurs are picking 11th. So he could go, you know, before where the Pacers are picking. But at the same point, you know, who really knows right now? Trey Murphy, lights out shooter. Also, great height, 6'9 for a guard. That's really appealing, and he's been shooting the ball lights out in these workouts. But I still don't think that Trey Murphy is going to go you know, ahead of the Pacers. You, you say the, the comment was what? Ahead of Moses Moody? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah,
1: on his big board, he has Moody a little bit lower than both those guys. And here's what I'll say to, just to kind of answer this question quickly. I just think possibly those guys have a higher potential, higher ceiling than Moses Moody because Moses Moody is not super athletic. He's not a guy that's like going to get above the rim. He's not a great ball handler right now. So his, his comp is Chris Middleton. We know what Chris Middleton can do. He can show up sometimes, and sometimes he can be, you know, there's a lot to be desired there. But at the end of the day, I would rather bank on what Moses Moody brings to the table because I know what he can bring to the table, where I'm banking on potential with both Murphy and Usman Garuba. like Those are guys that I think are good like in that 15 to 25 range. But I think Moody, to me, is a top six prospect in this draft.
2: You and I, we've both been locked in on Moses Moody for quite some time. I feel like he's much more of a sure thing than Usman. So yeah. I just feel like Usman you know, that that's someone that you're gonna have to have some patience for, give him some time to develop. Moses Moody, I truly do think that he can be a contributor for the Pacers this year. Just for the record, I've said it before, but James Booknight is my second guy that I am you know in love with in this draft. So yeah. <laughs> I I think that if Golden State keeps that pick at seven, I really do see him going there. But hey, not to get off topic, uh, those guys look. It, it, it's all based on you, these mock drafts, these big boards. Everyone has something different. I mean, I saw some mock mock drafts today. Kevin O'Connor, it had Moses Moody. I think he fell to 15. Yeah, That was was the lowest I've seen him in quite some time.
1: He's the only one that I've seen super low on Moody. Everybody else has him in the top 10.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it it just all depends on whose big board you click on. So that could change if you look at the very next one. Trey Murphy, I I, I do
1: not think that he's going to be picked above Moses Moody. (laughs) No way. So let's take a quick break. Reset. We'll come back and answer some more questions right after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, we are back. We have about six more questions we are going to answer on today's mailbag. So this comes from this comes from Chris Drewbert. He said, "If the reports earlier in the year about the Pacers being interested in Norman Powell um, are true, would you be interested in a Powell sign and trade for Miles?"
2: It's tough. I I really liked what Norman Powell put together this year, but. I don't know. I don't know if he's the guy that that you make the move for. Norman Powell has said he's looking for 20 million plus and I just feel like he really kind of uh took a massive leap forward last year and I'm curious. I would have liked to have seen a larger sample size. I, he's only 6'3". I don't know if that's the guy you trade Miles Turner for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I yeah. it's not bad. It gets you more modern. I think it makes you a little bit more score or more. Yeah, you might score more. I think it gets you more like modern for this NBA and and getting rid of the double big lineup. So, I mean, it's more of one of those things where it's like, oh, we didn't get Gordon Hayward, so we're looking at the next available option. Oh, we didn't get Fred VanVleet, so now they were looking at Bogdan Bogdanovich. You know, there was all these rumors trickling out last year that the Pacers had, you know, interest in maybe, you know, making a move and looking at some other guys. It kind of felt like, okay, we didn't get A, so now we're going to move to B, C. So I think he could be someone that falls down the list in terms of like, okay, so we struck out on option A to improve the team, so... Let's move on, and maybe we'll figure out if we get to option D, and he's there, and it makes sense. Go for it, but I don't think Portland traded to get Norman Powell uh, to just do a sign and trade the next year.
2: No, I, I don't think so. Plus, they'd still have to figure out, you know, having Nurkic on the roster right over there, and I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. It wouldn't be the worst trade, but Norman Powell, he's pretty much a scorer. You're, yeah. you're not you're not you're not going to be getting more rebounding out of him. You're not going to be getting assists stuff like that. Like he's a scorer, he, and he, at times he's definitely a bucket. But I don't know if that's the
1: move. Yeah. So our next question comes from uh, Scott Stein at Scott Stein NNJ. He said thoughts about trading to land two lottery picks and a late team pick to begin the quasi rebuild this year. I doubt they'll do so. I just don't see a huge leap this next year. Wish lists all of Moody, Cam Thomas, and Duarte let go of Turner, Brogdon, Aaron, Holiday, Lamb. They won't, I know.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I love the mystery box as much as the next guy Inquiring a, a bunch of picks, but I don't see them going this route. I don't see them you know, start to just do a fire sale for as many picks as possible. I think that our chance at getting numerous picks or moving up is with Golden State. I, I think that that's our best bet to get seven and 14, or at least seven. But I don't see them just uh, becoming sellers and uh, trading established guys strictly for picks.
1: Yeah, they're not going to do this. They're here to win. That's why they signed Rick Carlisle to a four-year, $29 million deal. Yep, They're paying the big bucks to the big coach to not go through a rebuild. So I get why fans might be interested in doing a rebuild, but look, it just took the Milwaukee Bucks hitting on one guy in Giannis Antetokounmpo at, at pick 15, okay? This is a guy that you know a lot of people are like, yeah, he's really interesting. He's a super skinny kid out of Greece. What can he become? Nobody expected him to become the face of the NBA in winning a finals MVP. So honestly, like with small market teams, you just gotta be better than luck You gotta be more lucky than good sometimes. Pacers have been very competitive. They always try to make trades to you know upgrade the roster and, and win games. And I understand it's frustrating because they haven't won a title yet, but you know, going into a rebuild, we've seen how that can hurt a team and can help a team. Phoenix has been going through a rebuild for a long time. It took them getting Chris Paul and getting those guys that they had drafted to, to finally reach that level where they could compete at the highest level to get there. But I understand it, it, it takes a mix of draft picks, free agency, and trades to really build a great roster.
2: It really does. And, you know, look, the Pacers, they've been unlucky. They, they have, but you know, like when you mentioned Phoenix, Phoenix was, they were the laughing stock of the NBA for years. One move changed everything. So you just you just never know how things are going to happen. And the Pacers were slated for a rebuild when they traded Paul George and, and they have mined some some gold in DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. So yeah. things change at any moment. So, hey, we got to just stay the course. Don't wreck it right now until we know, hey, this isn't going to work.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting if you go back and look at that pick number 10 in 2010, getting Paul George, that turning into two all-stars in Oladipo and Sabonis, and then turning Oladipo into Karis LeVert. If they trade Sabonis, like, what could that get them? It's funny just to kind of see the history of that pick and what happened with the process of it. But, um, yeah, that's a a good point, Fauci. So let's move on to our next question. This comes from Ryan K. Haynes at... Reich Ha, he said, did the Pacers' defensive woes last year have more to do with scheme or personnel? Love the podcast. Go Pacers.
2: Mm, that, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I felt like the scheme did not fit the pieces that they had. And I no. feel like, I, I mean, <laughs> that, like that that's known. But I'm saying it's just like, look, you had a really good shot blocker in Miles Turner. But other than that, I mean, you had Domas running all over the court. At one point, he was like the first or second most traveled player in I the NBA. I think he finished first. I mean, that's insane. So it was just, they didn't have, it was all around. It was a disaster. I mean, the coaching staff, just a brand new coaching staff tried to just Bjorken tried to put a, you know, what is it? A square in a, a round circle, whatever it is, a peg in a, whatever the saying is, it didn't work. It a didn't square fit. peg in a round hole. Exactly.
1: It didn't <laughs> fit. And that's what Bjorken just kept trying to jam them in there. And, uh, Hey, it didn't work. Yeah, it was funny. Jay Michael came on the podcast and said Karis Levert just started playing defense how he wanted to do it. He wasn't even buying into the scheme. I mean, that's how bad it got last year. Bjorkren had all these crazy wild thoughts. And, you know, it might work for a team like Toronto who's super athletic, but it wouldn't work for this Pacers team that desperately needs to be more athletic. And when you're missing probably your best perimeter defender in TJ Warren, and, and actually Victor Oladipo was a good perimeter defender, for most of the season, like, sure, I understand, like, he had the quad injury, so that really did set him back a little bit. But if you look back, Victor led the league in steals his first year here with the Pacers, I believe. So what a magical year. Over
2: three steals per game, an all-defensive first-team guy. Oh, man. He
1: was a good perimeter defender. So that's what this Pacer team needs. Victor was athletic. He was, you know, good in clutch moments, and he was a good defender. Like, that's what they need. Victor's not that guy anymore. It'll be interesting to see what Victor gets on the open market this year knowing that he's going to be out for a significant amount of time because of that injury and having to have surgery, I believe again on it, or he's rehabbing it. I don't know exactly. So I, I forget, but don't quote me there, but I know that he's going to be out for a little bit miss some time because of that injury. So yeah, personally for me, it it just came down to scheme. They could have done a much better job. Look at what Dan Burke did the previous year without Victor Oladipo and that Pacers team. I believe they were sixth in defense with that same personnel. So I think you can just look at the stats from the year previous and look at the stats from the year they had last year and realize it was a it was a personnel – or it was a scheme issue.
2: Without a doubt. I mean, you're talking about, oh, it worked in Toronto. Oh, what you mean when they had Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam over there and, you know, other – Marcus other- Small, Danny they, Green, they, Kyle I Lowry. mean, just, just a ton of much more capable defenders. So, yeah. you know, we just didn't have that. So I, yeah. I look forward to uh, a fresh slate this year.
1: So we got a double question here from – Slick at Ricky underscore Kelly, he said, number one, who is y'all's favorite player to pick after Moses Moody? And what is O'Shea set's ceiling?
2: James Booknight for me, that's that that that's been my number two guy behind Moody. And then O'Shea set's ceiling, I, I think is probably a starter on like a non-playoff team, you know, kind of being a, a consistent starter somewhere in the NBA. So uh, I don't think that he should be a starter on the Pacers. I very much enjoyed watching him start. The end of the year, he really was the bright spot there. But this is a guy that went from a 10-day contract to, you know, getting a
1: multi-year deal. So he, he's doing just fine. Yeah, so for me personally, Fotch, in terms of guys I like, that I love Jameis Booknight as a, mm-hmm. you know, that next guy up. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be there at 14. So if I'm, no, looking, won't. At, if I'm looking at realistic guys, I think you're looking at Keon Johnson, Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams, Jaden Springer. But the guy that I think actually makes the most sense for what this team's going to do, I think it's a the guy that just had it in, and that's Chris Duarte. I know he's older, and I know that there are some like, things about him that you might be like, oh, I wish he did more, but he's a really solid defender, li- lights-out shooter at Oregon, He's a guy that makes too much sense for what this Pacers team is trying to do. And in terms of O'Shea Bursette's ceiling, personally, for me, I think O'Shea is going to be a really good player, but I don't really know if he's going to be more than a sixth man, seventh man kind of player. I don't see him as a starter, but I think he could play starter minutes if he continues to develop his game. You know, Being able to play small ball center at times will really help him. I think Rick Carlisle is going to, figure out ways to utilize him with the guys on the court. So there's there's times I think you might see him start if there's a guy out with an injury, he might be the next guy up on the roster to put in that starting lineup because of his position of need that this Pacers team desperately needs to upgrade at and get more depth in that area. He fills that need right now.
2: Yeah. And look, I, I know they say age is, is, but just a number, but look at this list and this isn't the full list. This is just off the top of my head. Guys that were picked in the lottery that are over age 22, you have Tyler Hansbrough. you have Frank Kaminsky, you have Doug McDermott, you have Obi Toppin, and then there's a few other guys. And Jimmer Fredette. Cameron Johnson. Old. Yeah, Cameron Johnson is the one guy that, you know, maybe still has that hope to develop into, like, a, a better player. I know Doug McDermott's coming off a career year, but the rest of the – and Obi Toppin still is just a rookie year. But it's hard to get those guys to really hit that next level, on yeah. that hes already 24, so it's uh its a little bit tough. But I know you like him. He's grown on me lately. I feel like that's a guy that has a sky-high confidence. That I don't think he's getting past the Wizards at 15, just like you said.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you look at what the Suns got out of Cam Johnson, it's a really good I, bench. I think player. they're happy. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're not expecting him to like, you know, move the needle and get you to a championship. But Cam Johnson is a very playable guy off the bench, and I think that's yep. what the Pacers need. And that's what they could use in Chris Duarte, especially if they are unable to re-sign Doug McDermott. I I think Kispert could still be there at 13, but I think Duarte has a – that's tough. I think they're very close in terms of how they will perform in the NBA. I'm a little bit higher on Duarte than I am Corey Kispert, but that's – I'm higher on the
2: upside of Duarte.
1: Yeah, I think he's just a better defender overall. And I think he might fit the roster better. I mean, he looked – when I, I looked at him yesterday in the uh, in the picture they posted for his uh, workout with the Pacers the other day, and I felt like, man, I'm going to save this picture. And I did because I feel like that could be the guy they pick. So that's that's how I'm feeling in my gut right now. So um, kind of similar question. Our last question in this uh, mailbag comes from Zachary Barnett at Zbart NBA. He said, what's the best draft pick you think will be available for the Pacers? Who do you not want them to take?
2: The best draft pick available, I, I imagine you mean player, not like. Yeah, uh, that's what he meant, best, pl-
1: best player available at 13. <clears> throat> <that> throat> man, we think th- we'll be there.
2: That's tough. I feel like where the Pacers are at, at that 13 spot, it, it like screams you're in that like Josh Giddy territory where like you don't really know ex- exactly what you're getting. I mean, there's going to be, man, it's, it's tough. I don't think Kispert's going to be there. I do think Duarte's going to be there. Um, I do think Jalen Johnson is going to be there. Um, I, I just, Moses Moody's that guy that I, I just, I can't, I can't get my mind off him. I really want him for the Pacers. I really do. But if he's not there, that's when I become open to being like, you know what? I don't want to reach for a guy at 13. Let's check out some trades. See if we can slide back a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think Davion Mitchell's possibly in that, in that thing because he does bring good defense. He's a little bit undersized for a guard, but I still like his potential overall. I'm trying to think if there's any other guys that I'm really like just enamored with. I mean, sure there are some guys. I think Kai Jones. I think you mentioned him earlier. He's a guy that's been falling, and I'm not really sure why because at one point he was like a top ten projected pick. Um, same with Jalen Johnson. I, I really feel like the Jalen Johnson pick could be a, a boom or bust. Like it is this. This is a guy that fills a position of need. Number one. He's six foot nine. He can play that small forward and that power forward. He's better with the ball in his hands. He only played 13 games at Duke. He had some really impressive games while, while being there. Our friend Richard Stamen was on the um, ultimate NBA mock draft with part of the Locked On podcast. He's done a great job with that production. If you're into the NBA draft and want to know what the Pacers did, I think you guys should check that out. It was really good. um, How they do that whole entire production. They're going to come out with the last like six picks, I believe tomorrow on Friday. So but anyway, he was talking about Jalen Johnson, and he said out of all the prospects in the uh, in the draft, he probably had the two most impressive games in college. Now they weren't against the greatest competition, but some of the stuff he did was really like, wow, this is eye popping. So he could be that guy at, at thirteen that you really look at and think, man, he he might be the next best available player in the um in the draft. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on it. But in terms of like the player I don't want them to take, uh, I will say any person that plays center i think i want them to take so position wise that's that um i don't know why i just don't have a good feeling about josh giddy i could be completely off on that but i just don't like his fit here with indiana so i'm gonna say giddy for me i know a lot of fans like him but i am not the biggest giddy guy
2: yeah i mean i don't blame you there i'm still very much on the fence with him. love his size love his passing ability i'm, I'm a sucker for a good passer Love one. I, I really have wanted the Pacers to have a guy that has that vision that you can't teach for quite some time. But I, w- I would be honest to say that I'm not sold on him either. I would be like if, if you know, what always happens is when the Pacers make a move, I have my like neutral NBA fans that don't follow the Pacers at all. And they'll, they'll ask me about him. And if they were asking me, hey, what about Josh Giddey? Is he going to be a stud? I would say, I really don't know. You know, he, he's got a lot of upside, but that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, a yeah. year ago. Giddy might not have even gotten drafted, and he really had a huge, huge year. So, you know, it's it's if the Pacers can't find a guy they're in love with, I really think you do have to look into trading back because there's a lot of high upside picks that would be smart picks. Just a couple picks back, but at 13, could very well be reaches.
1: Yeah. So I, I hate to say it, but they don't have the same game at all. But the feeling that I'm getting about Josh Giddy is how I felt about Mario Hazonia.
2: Oh, man. People were very high on him, and that man did
1: not deliver. Everybody was highly like, look at his dunks. Look at his three-point shooting. Look at this. Look at that. And he just never panned out. And I don't know why uh, he didn't because he does have a lot of the tools that you like in a player, but that's kind of what it comes with Giddy. Like, he's a stiff defender, not a great shooter, a great floor general. I mean, he can really see the court. He's tall. You can't have too many playmakers. I talked about that on the podcast the other day. But, yeah. For me, I mean, Giddy. it's so tough because I think he's got a potential to be good. I actually have him at 17 on my updated big board because I think the potential is there. I just have a gut feeling that he's not going to be a good fit in Indiana. Maybe that's more what I think. I don't think it's that he's going to be a bad NBA player, but more so his fit in Indiana to me does not seem like it would be the best.
2: What I'll say is I don't think that he's going to be ready from day one at all. I do think that his rookie year could be – very up in the air of like, hey, you know, he might not be playing for a while. He's really got to learn the difference of the game. But yeah, at the same point, hey, you never know. I do think that he's very talented. Uh, I think that could be someone if the Pacers pass up on, we might be thinking, man, I can't believe we weren't sold on him. But that, that's what happens with, with, with a lot of these, you know, European um, talents is that since you didn't get to physically watch them up close, it's it's a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I didn't really get to watch Josh Giddy. I only got to watch Josh Giddy highlights where it's like, "Oh, okay, these are his best plays." So, you know, that's why I'm a little bit skeptical.
1: Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. So, we're we're a little bit skeptical on him, but um I wish another you know, with the best. I'm not rooting against any of these no. guys. Nope. Sometimes I think when we're like critical of like, "Oh, we don't like their fit with this with the Pacers." It's like, "Oh, you don't like him as a player." It's like, "No, not necessarily." Like Sharif Cooper is a guy that I really like. Do I think he makes a lot of sense on the Pacers? It's possible, but I think there are things that I'm a little bit concerned with, with him. Me too. Um, You know, he's a good player. I think that wherever he goes, he's going to have to put in the work to prove that he belongs. And I think he's up for that challenge. Just talking to him, you could tell like his spirits overall, he's a, you know, really humble kid that wants to work hard and believes in himself. And I think if you have all three of those things, then you're, you know, destined to, you know, improve your game and improve your worst. So, that is where I'm at with all of that. We're going to have more draft coverage next week and have some more podcasts for you coming up. But Fachi, that wraps up our show today. Before you give out where people can follow us, I want to highlight we did create a TikTok account at Setting the Pace. So if you want to follow us on TikTok, we're going to try to do more video type stuff. Put that up there on TikTok so you guys can hang out with us. And we'll do some NBA history, revisionist history, stuff like that. I don't know. We'll we'll have fun with it. I'm not going to go into what we're going to do with it. But we're going to have fun with it. Fachi, where else can people find us at on social media?
2: Well, real quick, you'll also be able to find Alex dancing on TikTok, right? Alex, Uh, you can see some dance moves?
1: My dancing days are over. I used to do it when I stocked the deli case at the the gas station when I was a little bit thinner. And I was about 18, 19 years old, you know, putting – Putting up those club sandwiches that are pre-packaged in the deli case, and listening to some Taylor Swift, whatever is playing on, and singing and dancing, and people were laughing at me, having a good time. I just, you know, when you work six to two at a gas station, you gotta have fun while you're doing. I mean, you gotta create grief. some fun.
2: You yeah. gotta create some fun for yourself. But <laughs> hey, you know. Like you said, you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I could be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. And
1: if you are a fan of the Indiana Pacers, stand up and say these three words. Let's go Pacers! See you later, everybody.